Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Um, today, I'm speaking to, you know, I think she might end up being one of my favorite people. Uh, she spoke at RSN's patient meeting, and she uh, works for Fresenius Kidney Care as a lead dietitian. And I'm very excited to talk to Jennifer Parker today. Hello, Lori, and thank you so much. That's so kind. I loved the time with your group um, back in September. It was just such a joy to be with you guys. Well, you know, today we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, eating well with kidney disease to help you thrive and, and you know, really look at the kidney diet. And, you know, this could be like a five-day seminar. We're going to try to take it down to like 25 minutes. Uh, so why don't you just give us some tips on, you know, how to eat a tasty kidney-friendly meal? You know, how can people enjoy that? Because... You hear kidney friendly and you're like, oh God, it's got to taste awful. Absolutely. Yes. There's a lot of baggage when you say kidney friendly. And I think that's one of the things that we as dietitians really want to help dispel. We um, really want to encourage everybody to enjoy the foods that they probably already love and may not know that are already good for them. And it's been really exciting over the last five, 10, maybe even 15 years, we've seen such a shift and what um, any individual can eat if they're living with kidney disease. We thought for the longest time that you couldn't have whole grains or that you couldn't have bean seeds or peanut butter. You know, those were all no-nos. But we've actually learned that eating a plant-based diet, one that's high in plant-based protein, lots of fruits and vegetables, is really awesome. And it really actually improves the health of the body and it slows that kidney disease progression. So we're hoping to make it such that if anybody's living with kidney disease and they say, okay, well, what am I supposed to eat? We want them to you know, think of a healthy diet. What do you think of as a healthy diet? You well, know? And it's interesting because, you know, there's different stages. There's, um, you know, before you, when you have kidney disease, it's the pre, pre-kidney failure stage, then there's a dialysis stage, and then there's the post-transplant stage. And I know when I was on dialysis, like, okay, eat white rice, white bread, um, er- everything that's white. And so I, I guess what I'm hearing is that's not exactly correct anymore. You're absolutely right. We have had a shift. And, you know, science is something that, you know, we know what we know at this time, but we could learn something tomorrow. So late in the 1990s, early 2000s, we started to realize that, oh my gosh, actually the body does not absorb all the phosphorus from those whole grains. So like you remember, and even some people still think, I can't eat a whole grain. I can't have brown rice. I can't have my oatmeal in the morning anymore. Well, that's no longer true. We actually want you to eat whole grains. And we know now that you're not going to absorb all the phosphorus um, because of the way that your um, body actually can't digest all of it and absorb it. So it's really wonderful because we can bring so many foods back into the diet, and that's really exciting. But it does take time. So you know, you think about the whole United States and then the whole world. Everybody was on that white rice diet. And so it's been taking several years to make sure that all the education materials and everybody is in the know, not just from dietitians, but also the doctors and the nurses and, and everybody that's supporting um, anybody that's living with kidney disease. So, yeah, times are changing and it's very exciting. <laughs> well, and you know what's so interesting is that you use the word absorption. And I think 
as a as me as an individual, I'm learning so much about more about absorption. Like when you don't have proper kidney functions, you don't absorb vitamin D very well. So you need to have active vitamin D. Um, and I just got I had an interview about protein, different types of protein, and their amino acid profile, and that you sometimes can absorb a. a different types of protein than plant-based protein like it you absorb it better so your body can get a higher protein by meat-based protein as opposed to plant-based means that you shouldn't eat plant-based but it just kind of tells you it's all about absorption so is this something new in the last 10 years like it's all about absorption right so what's in the package (laughs) may not be absorbed There's a lot of conversation surrounding absorption and whether it's like you mentioned the phosphate absorption, protein absorption, and how your body synthesizes that. But then there's also what's really a hot topic is gut health, right? So it kind of goes along with it. Like how healthy is your stomach or your intestines? Are you getting all the nutrients that you need from your foods? And yeah, the kidneys play a big part in some of that. And then just some of the proteins themselves, if you're thinking about plant-based proteins, what we're learning now is that actually, as long as you're eating a well-balanced diet, if you're eating that well-balanced diet, you're going to get all your essential amino acids over the course of a couple days. So it's no longer that we have to pair it right at that exact meal. Uh, back in the day, we used to actually counsel individuals to put their beans with rice so that you would get all of that methionine from the rice that doesn't, you don't have enough of it in the beans. But nowadays, if you're eating fresh fruits and vegetables, your whole grains, um, over the co- course of a couple days, you're going to get that complete protein and your body's going to be able to use it build that muscle mass, maintain it, and you can live a very, very healthy life, both with kidney disease and if you want to be an athlete, you know, that's not a problem either. So absorption is key and working with a dietitian is also really helpful because if you have any other digestive disorders, you really want to sit down with a dietitian so they can customize how exactly you digest things and how to build up your meal and snack options. You know, it might be worth, too, just maybe going over the different stages of kidney disease and the generalizations of of, of diet and what people need to look f- for. Because I know we have a lot of people listen. So when you're on, you know, when you're on kidney stage, like three, four, not on dialysis, maybe go through that um, a absolutely. little bit because the needs are different. Sure, absolutely. So. From a nutrition perspective, if you're listening here and you're thinking, okay, well, I think I'm in stage three, maybe A or B, or I'm in stage four, the latest recommendations and the latest research really wants to promote plant-based eating, lots of fruits and vegetables and whole grains, and then a lower amount of protein, especially as you near into stage five, but all of these levels before dialysis. So you're going to be on a lower protein diet, and then as you work with your nephrologist and your dietitian, they're going to customize exactly how low protein do we mean? And so a lot of times um, we're seeing now practitioners are recommending plant-based protein mm-hmm. because it has um, less stress on the kidneys. And so you can, we've seen in case examples and some really great success stories that people have been able to delay dialysis. They've been able to improve their GFR and get some more quality in that day-to-day quality of life. In terms of the other nutrients, you don't see a whole lot of difference Um, you're not going to have to worry about potassium for the most part, but everybody's different. And so that's why it's really key to have your blood work drawn on a regular basis, you know, because you can't just generalize it. Because on the pre-dialysis, or or I have to even say pre-dialysis, but when you're in stage three, stage four, uh, 
you know, one of the things that I try to like, they're like, oh, I just eat a very, very low protein diet. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, go see a dietitian. You don't want to die of malnutrition while you're trying to save your kidney. Um, because exactly. Um, and, you know, you got to limit sodium and um, you might have to do potassium or phosphorus based on where you're at. But, um, you know, sodium's just kind of a good thing to limit unless in my case sometimes I have to eat a little more sodium now which I'm not used yeah. to because my blood pressure runs low <laughs> mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so like we need different to, yeah yep, yep. I mean yeah but most of the time if you have any blood pressure problems uh, you need to eat a lower sodium diet would would that be a correct statement Absolutely. In general, to manage blood pressures, particularly if you're managing higher blood pressures, mm-hmm. controlling your sodium intake and not having any added forms of sodium. And I know you guys had a great uh, discussion with Robin um, a couple weeks ago on making sure that you keep that sodium down. And what's kind of exciting is that some new guidelines are going to be coming out here soon. They've been shared for the public to review uh, from the Kidoki from the National Kidney Foundation and the work group. And what we're finding is that the recommendation isn't as low as you might expect. They made adjustments to be about 2,300 milligrams a day, mm-hmm. which is very reasonable. It's very similar to the dietary guidelines for Americans and the USDA recommendations, which are 2,400 milligrams. So uh, it's just right. a difference of 100 milligrams. And it's definitely something that, you know, if you think back to the DASH diet or another buzzword of the day is Mediterranean diet, those two diets are also really helpful in improving um, blood pressures, blood sugars, lowering the risk of cardiovascular disease, and they all incorporate not just a lower sodium approach as we're talking about, but also lots of fruits and vegetables and the whole grains and definitely beans. Beans and lentils and legumes are, they're like kind of the number one superfood, if you will, for kind of tying all these diets together that can be healthy for any of your listeners who are living with kidney disease. Well, and you know, one of the, the, one of my favorite food types is Mediterranean food. I mean, it's, it's, well, I live in Glendale and so we do have a lot of Mediterranean choices, Glendale, California, but it's, it is, it has um, so many great aspects of choices and maybe you could explain what Mediterranean diet is because some people may not be as knowledgeable. Yeah, absolutely. So Mediterranean diet, when you think of that, you think about um, where the name came from, So for those that are actually living on that coast of the Mediterranean Sea, they're having a diet that's really high in beans. That's a common thread for those that are in that area or in the Middle East or in other parts of the world where perhaps they may not have as many Western foods. But predominantly what you're going to see is about two to three servings of vegetables a day, two to three servings of fruits. You're getting some good whole grains and then you're getting beans several times a week. And then the amount of fish is usually limited to about two to three times a week. And then your dairy products, your eggs, and then um, your other types of um, fleshy meats are really, really low. So if you have a very small amount of those items, I think in America, sometimes we might get super excited about the Mediterranean diet and go really heavy on the feta or have a lot of hard-boiled eggs. But if you look up the Mediterranean diet, which you can see from the Dietary Guidelines for Americans, it spells it out based on calorie levels. So you can actually see that the amounts of those animal products are very small. And that kind of comes just historically, if you think about income and agriculture and the opportunity to, you know, eat on a budget, 
the plant-based foods like beans are really economical and they're really healthy. Um, and that's really, I think, the exciting thing about the Mediterranean diet is that it's something that you don't have to be rich to be able to eat that way. Or if you want to be more uh, focused on plants than even the Mediterranean diet and go full plant-based, you can do it on a budget, which is really great. Well, and, you know, I always heard, too, that, you know, and this, I guess, is the pre-dialysis mode, but then when you're on dialysis, that it's changing now for beans because I love beans, and they're like, well, you can't have beans, or you got to soak them, or you got to dialyze them, and you got to do all this work to them, which makes it not worth even making them anymore. So it's changed a little bit about beans? Yes, beans are now back on the, please eat, we want you to eat them. They're really good for you, and we're finding that. So for those that need to control their potassium intake. So if you're on dialysis and you're on your traditional in-center, you're going into the treatment three times a week for about, you know, four hours, give or take, you may have to be controlling your potassium. That's fine. We have tons of options in your grocery stores. So you can look for the no added salt, canned beans, and that could be white beans, red beans, kidney beans, chickpeas. I mean, lentils, they're going to have a lower potassium content. They're going to have that low sodium that you need. You're going to rinse them off and drain them and then cook them up however you'd like. You can mix them in with a, a brown rice. You can put them in with quinoa. You can make little tacos out of them. You can have them, you know, as like a vegetable platter with some other fresh veggies. So beans are back on the good list because they're such a great source of fiber, which helps to lower inflammation, helps keep cholesterol in check. Fiber is um, also really helpful for your gut health and improving your bowel movements. Sometimes if you're on dialysis, you struggle with, like we were talking about, potassium. Well, sometimes a stool doesn't come out, you know, on a regular basis and sometimes constipation occurs. So with increasing fiber, whether it's through beans or other fruits and vegetables and whole grains, you're going to have more frequent, more regular and easier bowel movements. And that's going to help keep that serum potassium in a better goal range for you. So it's kind of a two or three for one, if you will. Exactly. White white bread doesn't help. <laughs> no, white bread does not help. Absolutely um, not. And, you know, what is interesting you said about canned beans. And when you spoke, I thought it was really fascinating. But explain about why canned is better than fresh. So this would be if you want to be uh, mindful of potassium. Let's say if you're doing home chemo or you're doing peritoneal dialysis, those recommendations often are such that you can have more potassium. So then I would say actually use dried beans because you'll get more of the potassium. You know, you soak them and then you can um, cook them up however you like. But for those that need that control, that lower potassium diet, but still want to get the great benefits from the plant-based eating and the beans, the canned is awesome because they've already been cooked once which already lowers the potassium. Then they're put back into the can filled with fresh water. And so more potassium comes out during that process that it's sitting in the can. So by the time it gets to your kitchen and you're taking the top off with the can opener and you rinse it and then heat it up, you're going to have a much lower potassium content. So that's just a great way to budget your potassium for the day and it'll allow you to have more of the other foods that you like without breaking the bank when it comes to your potassium limits. Um, this may not be answerable, but is the potassium level that's on the can consider all of the process that you just mentioned, or is it the bean at the start or at the end? That is a great question, Lorian. <laughs> to the best of our knowledge, from what we can determine, it's probably somewhere in between. So it's pretty reflective of what should be in that entire can. However, um, they can't account for that. So when it's analyzed by USDA, they do the best to take it from that version 
of the little bean from the little gooey water after it sat there for a while and do the analyzation. Um, but we do know that there's variances in the database and in how they're analyzing those foods. So even from the rinsing, we believe to the best of our abilities as dietitians collectively that you'll still lower the potassium a little bit more. So it's a combination of, yeah, it's pretty close to that label, um, but it can be even less depending on how you choose to rinse it off. And then if you cook it even again with water, that would lower it further. I know. It's interesting because it's, uh, you know, I used to dialyze my potatoes when I was on dialysis where I would slice them and chunk them up and stick them in water and let them sit overnight Mm -hmm. and then, you know, rinse them. And, you know, then you could have some potatoes or mashed potatoes and flavor them up with Mrs. Dash or something. And uh, and now, you know, what I've learned, and this is, you know, a trick, is you could take some of the potatoes and then also take some cauliflower <laughs> and yes. mix that with the potatoes and kind of have a lower profile profile yes, dish. absolutely. Which is, mm-hmm. You know, that's cauliflower is the new potato, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I think that's gone over really well for a lot of people. And, you know, even people are making it into their rice option, you know, so cauliflower has got a lot of good antioxidants. So you're getting some extra nutrients, phytochemicals in a good way uh, from your plants when you're able to incorporate cauliflower. And yes, it, it lowers the potassium and not everybody needs that. And so, you know, if you can, if you're listening and you don't have a dietitian, there are ways to get connected to them. So if you're not sure if you need to be really strict with your potassium or you can have more liberal amounts, definitely reach out and, you know, from Lori and the website through RSN and uh, just our connections, you know, we'd be happy to get you in touch with someone. But yeah, I think, you know, dialyzing the potatoes is still effective. I think the double boiling method has been proven to be probably the best, um, but it does take a little bit of time, a couple, 10 minutes of boiling with fresh water both times to lower that potassium by at least 50%. So it's a helpful way for people who love potatoes. I know I love potatoes and I would definitely have to do that if I were to be following a lower potassium diet. Exactly. Um, And, you know, sadly, uh, the reality is nephrologists don't often know a lot about the renal diet and they really should have a dietitian just shadowing them on every front (laughs) (laughs) because because, um, your diet is so important to your overall health. And, you know, luckily there's being a little bit more awareness, but it's not uncommon for me to run into a nephrologist sometimes. And, you know, they're like, well, I'm not sure what they eat. And I'm like, well, you need to understand, you know. Um, and so it's good that there's more awareness being um, created in the community. About yes. That. And it's, I think it's a grassroots effort, you know, word of mouth. And that really is kind of the best thing we have right now. The literature is coming out. The Kadoki guidelines are going to come out and that's going to really help shine more light on how plant-based eating is so healthy for anyone living with any stage of kidney disease, um, even you know living with a transplant that works really, really well. Plant-based eating is just good for everybody. And so we're trying as a company and the team that I get to support to make sure that we uh, let our physicians know or their nurse practitioners and PAs, you know, how important and how exciting this is because it's fun. You know, food is good. And I want everybody right. who is thinking about eating to enjoy that and not to feel like it's a burden or that they can't eat something that they're going to enjoy. One of the things that I always do, and I'm surprised that, you know, more more people who have kidney disease need to do this. They need to print out their labs, and understand what each lab value means. 
And, you know, they think, oh, that's somebody else's job. No, that's your job. (laughs) That's your job. (laughs) And you should be following your albumin level. And you should be following your potassium level. And you should be following your phosphorus level. And, you know, understand, like, you know, I, I weigh myself every day. It's kind of frustrating. But I do that because it helps me understand, oh, the choices I made yesterday weren't so good. <laughs> and so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it helps you understand your choices better by understanding your lab values and keeping a folder of them and understanding your albumin level. And you're so at risk of, for infection when your albumin level's low. And if you're having trouble consuming you know, enough protein, there are a lot of ways you can help people who have kidney disease up their protein level, right? Without- Absolutely. Yes, yes. I agree with that. And one of the dietitians that I work with, and she's in the Palatka area, Rachel Black, she does a phenomenal job of helping patients take home a copy of their lab work. It's not just a handout that they're just, you know, going to put in their bag and forget about. She actually creates an entire folder. She has prompts, cute little images that help that individual understand, well, what do you want to get out of this? What do you see about this lab report that you want to see an improvement on? And she's seen such tremendous improvements. Everybody is doing such a great job because they're choosing, like you're saying, to take advantage of that opportunity to learn about how the food that they're eating or the medicine that they're taking, how they're coming to treatment and how long they're staying is affecting that. But then in turn, how does that affect how they feel? Are they sleeping better because they're reducing their sodium? Are they feeling better because they're having more bowel movements? Um, are they feeling better because they're doing more plant-based proteins and having more beans and they've been missing them for a long time? So I really applaud her and everybody else out there that's really taking um, charge of it for themselves and helping people to do that. Because I think you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Someone told right. me that when I was in college and it's like, you know, always stuck with me. It's like, if that's what you're looking for, then you want to put in the effort and then you'll see, you know, how it affects you. I started a program called Noom on my phone. You know, I track my yes. food and I write what food I write down in this little program. And it's really interesting because you can scan food too and it'll pop up. So it'll give me an awareness of what I'm eating. Um, they, You know, food dra- diary is important. It's It's no fun, but it gives you an idea of where your foods are. And then it comes up with green, red, and yellow. So yellow is kind of, it's interesting how it's like, oh man, I need to eat more green foods. I need to eat more, less red. And, 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 you know, there's certain red, I mean, I love avocado and I'm not limited on potassium, but I might love them a little too much. (laughs) And um, being from California, I mean, that should be its own food group. Avocados should be their own food group. Yes. But, um, you know, it's just interesting because it's making me make better choices. And when you're older and you're on steroids and you have arthritis, I mean, you know, it doesn't take many calories to sustain right. you. And I tend to like to eat a few more calories than I need to be sustained. So um, it's it's good to be aware. Absolutely. Of, and of we that. all do. I think, you know, our bodies don't come with an instruction manual on exactly how much to eat or to drink, you know, and so if you're at any stage of compromised kidney health, then we have to take that control. And so that app that you mentioned has gotten a lot of praise. There's other ones out there too, that if you're looking for a way to take some control and see how you can help your body to feel better and see like, oh, you know what? This is great. You know, this avocado is great, but do I want to eat, you know, an entire bowl of guacamole? Maybe not in one sitting, but you know, over the course of um, the day, if you can keep it fresh, you can have a little bit here and there, you know, so I think that that self-motivation and sometimes it's tough. If you're feeling tired, 
you're on medications that make you feel out of it, um, you know, your treatment if you're on dialysis and you come out feeling just really haggard, it's hard to just kind of, you know, pull up your boots and um, get into the kitchen and cook. And so we try to, as dietitians, do our best to offer simple things, have things pre-ready, um, pre-made rather, and ready to go so you can heat it up when you get home or bring a snack with you. Um, and then if you're out shopping, you know, try to shop, you know, for things that can be put in your freezer or right. put in your pantry. You know, fresh is always ideal, but you can get fresh frozen. You can get the can with no added salt so that you have that stock supply because sometimes it's tough to get to the grocery store and you, and you may not feel, um, you know, super excited about cooking. So if you can grab a couple things that'll cook up really fast, I think that's helpful. And um, like you said, with the apps, that helps you point you in the right direction of, okay, this is a good amount and this is not, or if I want to have a little little bite of cake, okay, that's all right, but I don't want to eat the whole thing. Well, and, you know, it's it's just about food prep, which for me is so important for everybody, food prep. And we used to food prep more when I was, you know, when I was growing up, my, you know, you didn't have all the fast food choices. You had to food prep. There wasn't any choice. And then we became yeah. a fast food society. And, you know, there's a lot of preservatives and, you know, the sodium that comes when you buy prepackaged food. Um, is is not good for your health. So uh, I saw, you know, it's really fun. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but I love Pinterest. And, Ooh. you know, we eat with our eyes uh, mm-hmm. more than our stomach. And I saw this cute little where you got little mason jars and you make individual salads in those mason jars. So you stack, you know, you stack it. So you got almost like a yes. really pretty like carrots and celery or whatever you want, whatever Mm -hmm. you want in you. And then you can, you know, put dressing in it in the little jar, leave a little room, shake it up in the jar, and then throw it in the bowl. And I'm like, I got to try that. (laughs) (laughs) I think that sounds wonderful. And you're right. It looks so beautiful. I mean, who doesn't want to eat something that's colorful and fresh and then, you know, is presented so well? I think that's wonderful. I have not tried it. I would like to. I think that's a brilliant idea. And, and let me know if this is renal friendly. So I think it is. But I love English muffins. So that can be on the list. Um, yes. Maybe you can get whole wheat English muffins. Put mm-hmm. a little cream cheese on it. Not a lot. <laughs> and sometimes I put a little avocado, which I also do spinach, which spinach can be okay. And then yes. you put a poached oh. egg on top. It's so delicious. Oh, my gosh. Yes, you're making my mouth water. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's so good. And it's it's... What's great about the poached egg um, type of food is because you you can always have eggs. Those are an easy thing. And how do you make them, you know, tasty? And, you know, I'm a big poached egg fan. Um, I think you don't need to add any cheese or anything like that. Just add a little pepper and maybe a little uh, uh, Mrs. Dash and you're good to go. Absolutely. So, I think that's a great option you're going to get your fiber from the whole wheat English muffin, and then you're going to get your greens, which are high in antioxidants and lowers that acid load. And then your egg is a is an option for protein. Um, and then depending on how you cook your egg, there's so many different ways. I think everybody loves their eggs a little bit different. My husband loves them scrambled. I like boiled. You know, poached is super fancy, so I love that you can poach an egg. I, it's I'm not so too good easy. at that. but <laughs> I'll tell you the secret. You want me to tell you the secret? My grandma taught yes, me please. the secret. So you just boil some water. You put a little vinegar in it. You let it come to a boil, and you have to put the poached egg in a 
the the best way is to make the egg room temperature, and then you put the uh, egg in a bowl and let it sit there while your water is boiling, and then you slide it in the water and you push three minutes on the timer and you scoop it out with a slotted spoon. It's the easiest oh. thing on the planet. Well, hot and dog, you, I could try that. <laughs> yeah, and you could put two eggs in there. And, and so, um, you know, some of the egg breaks up, some of the white egg. They have a fancy egg poacher kit you can buy on Amazon, a pan for like $25. But mm. um, my grandma used to make poached eggs, and I think they just, there's some mystique about, uh, you know, being difficult. But the real key is, is making the egg room temperature in the bowl. And that okay. is, that. I like that. Baking, that is the secret. You know, you never put cold eggs when you bake. You you put them in the bowl and you make them room temperature before you drop them in anything. Um, so That hey. makes sense. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to have to try that. Thank you for that. I hope that <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and... So it's uh so maybe just maybe we'll kind of wrap up because we have to watch sodium. Maybe we just for the next few minutes just talk about good renal friendly snacks and cooking. Do you have any tips you want to share? Sure. Sure. Yeah, when it comes to cooking, I think what can make something more exciting, um especially if you think you need to be limiting certain things, it's really to get flavor and to get that aroma as high as possible so that you really enjoy being in the kitchen. So for example, you know, always start with like sauteing some onions and some garlic to get those smells, those aromatics going. You can also use bell peppers. They'll do something similar. Um, I like onions because there's so many different types. So it kind of depends on what food you're cooking with or, you know, what you, um, what kind of flavor profile you want. Some of them are sweeter, some of them are not. So that's a really good start for your cooking. And then you just throw in, um, let's say you on the side, you were cooking your whole wheat pasta. Once that's almost done and definitely al dente, Drain that, keep a little bit of the water, but then throw it into that sauteed mix of all your veggies. So if you started with the onions and then you add in some green beans, for example, or asparagus, and then you can put in your pasta with a little bit of that pasta water and then kind of just simmer it and keep it on low. I think that's something that's really, really very easy, but smells good. And then you can add any other, other herbs and spices and uh, pepper because if you're doing the cooking or if you have someone that can help you do it, you're in control of the sodium. And so right. if you're choosing fresh foods or fresh frozen or fresh canned with no added salt, then you get this amazing meal. It tastes great. It smells great. It kind of reinforces that, hey, you know what? Cooking is good. These foods are good for me and I'm going to enjoy this meal. Um, and it does take some time, but, you know, 10 minutes to get everything ready. And it's so satisfying. Food is more satisfying. Um, if you eat something that doesn't, you know, you get it off the shelf or something. I mean, I know it takes more effort but I'm more satisfied. I want to talk a little bit about fungus, mushrooms, sorry. My friend says they're fungus. You shouldn't eat that. But um, (laughs) mushrooms are my new go-to food. I buy mushrooms like I buy meat nowadays. Great, yes. And I love sautéed mushrooms um, with some Mrs. Dash, and I'll make like a, a, a burrito with actually just mushrooms and some spinach and maybe a little cheese and a little salsa. And I've been using mushrooms as meat. So tell us, can you tell me a little bit about mushrooms? Mushrooms have a good amount of some of those trace minerals that the body needs. You don't need a lot of things like selenium or zinc, um, but mushrooms have a a good amount of them. So I think mushrooms are a great choice. Um, In times past, you may have heard a dietitian tell you that if you're living with kidney disease and you're on dialysis, that mushrooms might be too high in potassium or phosphorus or 
Um, and now we know that that's no longer the case. So mushrooms are something that you want to incorporate. So using them as a meat substitute is great because of the texture. So that mouthfeel, the chewing, and just how that feels right. in your mouth, it is a nice um, substitute for meat. And it doesn't have a lot of protein, but that's okay. It has some. So you could consider maybe putting a little bit of tofu with it, which is a higher um, protein plant-based option and mixing that in or having your protein throughout the day. And that meal in particular might just be, you know, a nominal amount, which is fine because if you use like a corn tortilla without any phosphates or a whole wheat corn uh, tortilla, sorry, without any phosphates, that would be a good way. That'll give you a few more grams of protein. But yeah, mushrooms are good. Um, occasionally you might find that, you know, if you were to eat your weight in mushrooms, you might see your potassium levels um, go up. But uh, by and large, mushrooms are a great choice. And I, I love that you're already using them. And actually just a couple days ago, my husband and I had a really fun ramen bowl. And that was one of the options for your quote unquote meat choice was mushrooms. Um, so they had tofu there as well, but it was funny that they put the mushrooms over with the meat choice, whereas the tofu was early on with the vegetable options with your scallions and uh, cilantro and things like that. Well, and, and it is, I guess, um, and we have so many different types of mushrooms, just like apples. Like, <laughs> we have so many flavor of apples, which, you know, I'm a big apple fan. And so, you know, that's on the diet. And, you know, I love honey crisp apples. But you can really have like an apple taste test. Um, oh, my goodness, uh, <laughs> yes. That's a great um, and, idea, too. <laughs> yeah, an apple taste test. And then um, maybe talk a little bit about or which is fascinating. Why do tangerines have lower potassium than oranges? It's <laughs> so just makes I'm definitely no not sense. an expert. I'm, yeah, I'm not an expert in understanding, you know, why a tangerine or a clementine, um, and then you compare that to like a navel orange, for example, you know, if there's something, you know, deep down in the how it grows, but I think it's just practically speaking, it's a lower amount. So they're all citrus and they're all orange and they tend to have a similar um, feel they have a, ten, a similar look to them that can appeal to people who want to eat an orange, but they're on a lower potassium diet. So if you're looking for a tangerine or you're looking for a clementine, because of the smaller size, you're going to get less potassium, but you're still going to get lots of good vitamin C. You're going to get right. the fiber, you know, so that's really important. And that's just a nice way to have that citrus, that fresh taste. It's a little bit different than your navel orange, but if you can be super, you know, controlled and just have a few slices of your navel orange um, amidst some other lower potassium items, again, if you're on a lower potassium diet, that is, then you can enjoy your orange. Um, but, you know, I don't know how, um, you know, if nature makes it a little bit lower in potassium for any other reason than just size. But exactly. That's Maybe some we, animal yeah. needs lower potassium or something. Who knows? Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Some bird, some bird can fly better if they eat lower potassium or something. You know, I it's interesting, and you, and I'm preaching to the choir here. But when it comes to shopping, I try to do this too. Just stay on the outer edges of the store. <laughs> Don't go sure. in the middle. <laughs> right. Or right. avoid the middle. Right. <laughs> avoid it if you yeah, can, or have I mean, a list. It, it, or have a list of what you need. Now. I think the list is key and it definitely don't go to the store hungry because you'll walk out of there with way more food. You might be tempted for something that's ready to go or has a beautiful picture, but it may not be the most healthy option. Um, and the way that the stores are being designed nowadays, sometimes the, the rule of thumb of the perimeter still works and sometimes it doesn't because if you're buying in bulk, sometimes they'll put those nice whole grains that have that good plant-based fiber protein in the center. And then sometimes the periphery might have the frozen things, which may have your great 
untouched, fresh and unprocessed vegetables and even frozen beans, but it might also have those really yummy, you know, ice cream cones and um, other, you know, frozen meals that are high in sodium. I'm thinking of my local Ralph's. Okay, my local Ralph's, they they have the perimeter I spoke about. But yeah, I can see some of those other stores are trying to trick you. Yes, I think having a list is good, like you mentioned, and really just getting color. So um, something that we've said for a long time as dietitians is, you know, eat the colors of the rainbow. So if your shopping cart has a lot of different colors from those fruits and vegetables that you're buying, and then you have um, the grains to support that, then I think that's a good rule of thumb for shopping. And uh, Occasionally, and this is a little bit of an expense, but I find that sometimes I order food from Amazon Prime. And it's nice because it costs a little more, but I find that I actually spend less <laughs> than going oh, wow, to the store. Yeah. And, you know, if I think, oh, I might don't have a lot to eat and I'm really busy at the house, I'll order Amazon Prime and then it, it prevents me from going out to eat. And then I have some food at my house. So uh, we're so lucky to have so many options nowadays of getting good food to us. Absolutely. that That's a huge blessing for a lot of people. And you know, I tell my dietitians this and, and those that I get to work with, you know, for if you're not at a place where you can afford all of those things, you know, if you have a will to eat well, then we'll make a way, you know, we'll sit down right. and we'll partner with you and figure out, you know, yes, you know, what if you want to do Amazon Prime because getting out to the store is so exhausting and you don't want to be on your feet that long ordering, we can help you order at a lower budget and making sure that you can stay on track, right. have that delivered to your house, you know, because um, it's really taxing and a lot, not a lot of people like to spend their time on their feet um, if they're, you know, trying to control a couple different chronic diseases and stuff. It can be exhausting. Well, well, thank you, Jennifer, so much for uh, sharing your knowledge. We should just have a show and talk food the whole time because I am starving so right now. I am so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I can't wait to go try the um, poached egg. Thank you I so know, much. It was I such know. a pleasure. I'm going to go make. I'm going to go make that pasta. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure, and uh, thanks for all that you do and bringing hope to everybody. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own healthcare provider regarding your medical condition.